you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. In Genesis 32, we witness a fascinating interchange between a father-in-law and a son-in-law. Before Laban kisses his daughters and grandchildren goodbye, he says these words to Jacob. See this heap and the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness and the pillar is a witness that I will not pass over this heap to you and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me to do harm. Other than the separation between Abram and Lot in Genesis 13, this scene is the first recorded boundary erected between a family patriarch and the family of his children and grandchildren. In this case, the boundary was established not to ensure that the families would never see each other again, but to keep either party from doing any harm against the other. Just think about that for a moment. Long before burglar alarms and security fences, this heap and pillar were silent witnesses to a covenant to respect each other's space and boundaries. In many relationships between parents and an adult married child, the subject of healthy space and boundaries typically arises in reaction to a particular difficult incident or a long-term erosion of the relationship. Then, like the series of events between Laban and Jacob, a certain amount of fear of being hurt appears to mandate some protective space. In other words, Rarely do people consider erecting boundaries with family members when everyone is happy and getting along. But does that mean you only need to listen to this particular episode when big problems crop up between you and your adult child? Hopefully, you believe it is wise to prepare for the typical issues that will require boundaries before they happen. Furthermore, it should be recognized that a virtual heap and pillar may not be required only when unsolvable problems arise, but also as a way of establishing your adult child's own family. As a Christian, you will need to exercise wisdom and love in response to the construction of family boundaries, rather than just react to them out of fear or anger. So today, we'll dig down deep into the subject of space and boundaries in your relationship with your adult married children. In the classic TV sitcom, Everybody Loves Raymond, newly married Ray and Deborah Barone move into a home right across the street from Ray's parents. Initially, it seemed like the perfect scenario especially as the grandchildren started coming along. What a blessing it is to have built-in babysitters available all the time. But in very short order, the beautiful dream turns into a daily nightmare, especially for Deborah, which of course makes for a ton of funny material. The space between these two families was clearly way too narrow, literally consisting of a few feet separating them. Maybe if Ray's parents were different sort of people, everything would have turned out better. 
Or maybe if Ray and Deborah put up some better boundaries, their family would have been more protected. Or quite possibly, the underlying message of the show is that it is never a good idea to live so close to your adult children after they get married. How much physical space is there between you and your married adult children? You may not live as close to one another as the Barones, but do you live in the same town? Or are you just a few hours away from them, making it fairly easy to get together? Then there are other children of yours on the far end of the spectrum who actually live a day or more away from you. If you have multiple married children, there's a high probability you have a variety of space between. To a significant degree, the amount of physical space between you and your children will determine what sort of boundaries may be constructed. Living in close proximity just gives more opportunity to possibly abuse that space by either party. But even if your adult child's family doesn't live near you, they will still have to make wise decisions about their boundaries, even if it doesn't seem as pressing. It is also important to recognize that physical space is not the only sort of space that exists between you and your adult children. There's relational space, which is the overall closeness or distance that exists regardless of the physical space between you. This is primarily gauged by how often your adult children talk to you and stay involved in your life. Then there is also emotional and mental space that may be either too close or too distant. This space is also determined somewhat by communication and involvement, but goes deeper to how connected your children feel towards you. Relational, emotional, and mental space is, at first, a function of the leaving and cleaving process we considered in the first episode of this series. But over time, your adult children may also need to address these sort of spaces between you, in addition to physical spaces, as they determine the right sorts of boundaries to build. Psychologist John Townsend, one of the authors of the book Boundaries, When to Say Yes, How to Say No to Take Control of Your Life, was one of the major theorists to attempt a biblical argument for the use of boundaries in relationships. You may have heard me address this book in other podcasts, and not entirely in a positive way. But the Boundaries book and other related Boundaries books quickly became wildly popular in many Christian circles, clearly scratching an itch in the whole area of difficult relationships. Even though there are some helpful aspects to his overall instruction, I'm being generous here since I'm not a big fan, the central thrust of his boundaries construct is rooted in the responsibility to protect self, characterized by Townsend as, quote, guarding your heart, unquote. Here's how he describes it in one of his daily devotionals. Proverbs 4.23 is a wonderful verse which teaches on a very rich level how boundaries can help us. Let's take a look. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. This is a great encapsulation of the why and the how of boundaries. Well, Townsend goes on to describe how guarding your heart is actually a biblical mandate to protect your personal space from the intrusion of others. But a closer reading of Proverbs 4.23 reveals that it has absolutely nothing to do with the subject of boundaries in our relationships. 
In the context, the preceding verses, 20 to 21, we read, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. So within this context, the instruction to guard your heart has to do with the practice of inclining our heart to truth and wisdom rather than lies and foolishness to which it is typically inclined. In other words, God's word here is teaching us to protect our heart from sin, from wickedness, from all that is untrue, not from people who attempt to violate our personal spaces. So as Christians, we must take great care that the work of establishing boundaries is not done simply to guard our own hearts from pain or suffering. When we become preoccupied with protecting self, it will only produce an unbiblical self-love and potentially the development of a victim mentality as well. What then is the heart of the matter when it comes to boundaries that may be erected between you and your adult married children? First of all, you need to be committed to respond to a boundary in a way that gives God all the glory. Both you and your adult children are called to have hearts that desire to love and obey God in your relationships, trusting him to protect all of you. From the first and greatest commandment to love God comes one that is like it, to have a heart of love for your neighbor, Matthew 22, 36 to 40. In this case, your boundary neighbor will be your adult child, whom you are required to love and show kindness and compassion to. So even if you don't like the boundary or believe it to be unnecessary, you need to learn to continue to glorify God in all that you do and love your adult children through it. Don't interpret healthy space and boundaries as the end of your relationship with your adult child, but simply a redefinition of it. Even when boundaries are put up, there's still a responsibility to engage biblically in messy, difficult, and even painful relationships with all your family members. While there are certainly times that you as a parent may have to consider creating space or boundaries in your relationship to your married adult children, The focus of this podcast is responding well when they initiate the boundaries. In one sense, your adult children began setting up boundaries in your relationship when they left you behind to become one flesh with their spouses. They also have begun setting up those boundaries simply when they become adults. But even though all married couples go through a similar process of forming their own families, There are many different scenarios which create the need for specific boundaries. So here we go with scenario number one. We'll call it family establishment. Willis and Veronica have been married for about six months. Veronica has always been very close to her parents, her two brothers, and her twin sister. Willis also gets along well with his in-laws. They all go to the same church, and there is rarely a week when someone is not in the other's home, which is especially true for the twins. Veronica has just recently found out that she is pregnant, jump-starting conversations about future planning. Both Willis and Veronica have become increasingly concerned about being so dependent on Veronica's family, not having any real couple friends, and being so involved in normal family activities. 
Yet when the subject of boundaries comes up, it seems too negative and selfish. After all, aren't boundaries only needed in family life when there's a major problem between children and their parents? Willis and Veronica don't want to communicate that they hate their parents. This common scenario is an example of the most positive form of boundaries that should exist between you and your adult married children. It occurs in the normal process of establishing a new family, of forming a family identity that is uniquely theirs. Your adult children are seeking to answer questions like, who are we as a couple and as a family? How are we different or similar to our parents and our families of origin? What parts of family life do we participate in and emulate? What practices of our families need to be altered or even rejected? As your children address these questions well, they will draw lines around their new family that distinguishes it from yours. After all, your adult child and his or her spouse both bring in different elements from their particular family backgrounds that must be integrated in some way. Ideally, this boundary creation is not a result of a problem or a conflict with you, yet some event or conversation may have been a trigger. Practically speaking, how can you best respond to and respect the boundaries that are needed in order to establish a new family like the one in our example? What if Willis and Veronica considered attending a different church in order to become a part of a worshiping community that is not directly connected to their parents? Hopefully, you would give them the privilege, even if you would like them to be part of your church. As a parent, you could also talk with them about the unique ways to serve, fellowship, and minister in the church that gives them a separate identity, if the congregation is large enough. In this way, proper boundaries can still be employed while worshiping together. Another way to help Willis and Veronica would be to encourage them to make friends outside the family not requiring them to spend all their social time with you and their siblings. One important question is, would it benefit Willis and Veronica to move away from her parents for a while to establish their own identity? Possibly. Common wisdom says that having a few years on their own would force them to rely on each other more and solidify their family unit. Yet there's also the downside of losing support and good, healthy relationships. As parents work to communicate your support of any efforts to positively establish their family. Well, here's scenario number two that I'll call changing personalities. Whenever Yavi and Yvette go to a family gathering at Yavi's house, the young couple gets into a major fight. Yavi has four brothers who all still act a bit like college frat boys. When Yavi is in his family home with his parents and brothers, he can act much more selfish and even sexist, according to Yvette. Since his brothers don't tend to treat their wives in loving and sensitive ways, Yavi appears to emulate them when they are together. Yvette regularly accuses Yavi of reverting to his childhood self and acting like he's the cool kid in high school all over again. Yavi denies changing at all, asserting that he should be able to enjoy his brothers and family when he's home, since he is rarely with them. After each fight and subsequent denial, Yavi does tell Yvette that he will try to be more sensitive to her next time. Unfortunately, not much changes at the next family gathering. 
Do you notice your adult children changing personalities when they are with you at a family gathering? It is understandable that spending time with parents and siblings, even as an adult, can tempt them to revert to the personality of their childhood and youth. After all, family dynamics are strong forces that pull on us, especially at family events and holidays. This wouldn't necessarily be a problem if your children haven't changed much since their younger days, but hopefully they have matured and grown in Christ, which makes any immature activity around you and their siblings a potential problem in their marriage. Your son might be talkative and outgoing with his spouse and friends, but more withdrawn and sullen when with you. Your daughter may be a more controlling person with her spouse, but more submissive and patient around her mom and dad. The more radical the difference, the more confusing it will be for everyone. If your adult child's personality and behavior changes in negative ways when around you, it's time to encourage some internal boundaries to be erected. If Yavi was your son, you can probably understand that Yvette may be tempted to either force Yavi to cease to be around you in the future or choose to remove herself and let him spend time alone with his brothers at family gatherings. To avoid these extreme and rigid boundaries, Yavi must be fundamentally committed to not revert to childishness and immaturity when around you. If, as Yavi's parents, you witness this bad behavior, you can be of great help to this couple. Yavi needs to become more focused on loving his wife rather than just having fun with his siblings. If, on the other hand, you are in any way provoking personality change as parents when the whole family is together, then you need to confess it and change course. Hopefully, you don't want to be a negative influence on your adult child and create division within his own family and marriage. Well, here's scenario number three. We'll call this one differing beliefs. Tara and Ulysses are the only liberal Democrats in Tara's immediate family. They also are members of a different Christian denomination than Tara's parents. Since the couple lives pretty far away from Tara's family, it doesn't usually pose much of a problem. Yet even phone calls can become difficult, especially if Tara's dad is agitated about the current state of politics. Where Tara and Ulysses really feel like outsiders is at family gatherings and holidays. It doesn't take much to get Ulysses to express his opinion on just about any subject, especially controversial ones. No one in Tara's family seems to observe the traditional rule of don't talk about religion or politics with your family. Even conversations that begin as lighthearted debates quickly degenerate into personal attacks and defenses. This is an example of the difficulty that comes when your adult children break with the family culture you have created, especially in religious, political, or social beliefs. It's just not usually a comfortable thing. Depending on the family system, it can be expected and even demanded that marriages only occur between people who embrace similar belief structures. In the case of Tara and Ulysses, could it be that Ulysses is the one who changed Tara's mind on certain beliefs, or had Tara already embraced differences on her own? Either way, it is somewhat easier on them if they are same-minded even if it puts them on the outside of their families of origin. 
But if you happen to notice that your adult child is more aligned with you in his or her belief system, then there is now a marital issue, not really a boundary issue. In the scenario where your adult children hold different views on important subjects than you, it will be tempting to either pressure them to change their minds or accuse them of a lack of parental respect. So what do boundaries actually look like in this type of problem? Your adult children may be tempted to set physical boundaries, choosing not to spend much time with you since you have basically accused them of being heretical in their politics or theology. Or they may just shut down every controversial conversation, hanging up the phone or walking out of the room. If either of these sorts of boundaries are erected, a kind and compassionate response would be to agree to avoid these subjects, at least for a time. You must understand that your adult children will have their own minds and beliefs, and they need to be respected, unless, of course, they're truly false doctrines. Disagreements are hard, but they don't have to always be divisive. On the other hand, if your children are the ones trying to educate or convert you, then you may feel personally attacked and disrespected. In that case, God's word calls you to respond graciously and even turn the other cheek. Well, let's move on to scenario number four we'll call parenting conflicts. Stacy and Trevor have been married for six years and have a four-year-old daughter and an almost two-year-old son. They have attended a couple of parenting seminars at their church and have read several Christian parenting books. They believe their parenting skills are pretty good and are pleased with their children's development so far. Trevor's parents hold a different opinion on the matter. They think the young couple's parenting is way too strict, too constraining, and too scheduled. They are concerned to such a degree that they've talked to their son Trevor about it several times. As of late, Trevor's parents have begun to, quote, rebel, not following the parenting rules which they have been asked to enforce whenever the children are at their home. Now Trevor and Stacy feel like they are required to detox their children every time they spend the night at the grandparents'. So the couple has now begun to talk about some drastic measures to deal with this parenting difference that has turned into a full-blown conflict. So let's imagine that your children have tried to talk to you several times, explaining how they desire to parent their children. You listen to what they have to say, but you continue to disagree with them and even seek to resist their efforts. No longer is this a simple difference of opinion, especially if your outlooks are radically conflicting. It is certainly not uncommon for parents to think they know much more about parenting than their adult children since they have all the experience. But it's also true that many adult children arrogantly flout a belief that they know better than their parents, even with little experience. Not only can grandchildren be negatively affected in this scenario, but this conflict can have a long-standing impact on the relationship between you and your adult children. Yet again, a typical temptation is to break relationship, in this case, never allowing you to care for your grandchildren alone again. But then your children probably want their children to have a relationship with their grandparents, right? So the next option may be that you'll get an ultimatum from your children. Follow our parenting principles or no more babysitting for you. 
So how would you respond to that threat? It certainly wouldn't come across as respect and honor, probably. Let's assume you would like to avoid either of these nuclear boundary options, since they would do some great harm to your relationship with your children and grandchildren. The wise response is to listen to your children's parenting beliefs and agree to respect them. After all, your grandchildren are first their children. If watching your children parent poorly gets under your skin, then you'll need a mental and emotional boundary. If your children are not willing to hear or follow your parenting ideas, then you are responsible to graciously submit to their desires. Then scenario number five, genuine safety fears. As we read in Genesis, Jacob was afraid that Laban might actually hurt him and his family in some way. Quentin and Roxy are in one of those family situations as well. Quentin's parents have had a troubled marriage for quite some time, but things have been getting far worse as of late. Usually just a social drinker, Quentin's father drinks more heavily when the conflict with Quentin's mom intensifies. There have also been reports of spouse abuse every so often. Quentin and Roxy have three children, so they worry about what may happen if they would leave them with the grandparents for the weekend. Quentin's mom reassures them that even though things are not great in the marriage, she'll always ensure that her grandchildren will be protected and loved. Roxy is not reassured, wanting to take more radical steps to ensure her children's safety. We all hold different definitions and perceptions when it comes to the subject of safety in relationships. Some adult children believe that what their parents say is dangerous enough to provoke fear, warranting the need for protection. Others may feel manipulated and controlled by parents to such an extent that they're afraid to have any kind of real relationship with them. Then there's the fear of potential physical abuse, which truly demands protection. If your children believe there are genuine reasons to be afraid of your actions or that of other family members, then wisdom says that some sort of space and boundaries are required. If you were Quentin's parents, you would certainly have some work to do to show your children that they have nothing to fear. If changes aren't forthcoming, could you blame Quentin and Roxy from keeping their children away from you for a period of time? What doesn't need to happen is that your children become your parents or your counselors, using time with your grandchildren to force you to get help. If your children do bring up real sinful and destructive issues in your life or your marriage, a godly response is to listen and act on all that is truthful. It may be a very humbling experience to be confronted by your adult children, but that should not keep you from dealing with the problems in your marriage at hand. Let's finish up with some space and boundary principles. First, remember your past. Most likely, you also had to set some sort of boundaries with your parents and in-laws when you were much younger. You had to leave your parents as you became one flesh with your spouse. And you may have even had to construct some boundaries for one or more of the reasons discussed previously. If all those things are true, you shouldn't find it too difficult to show some empathy towards your adult children. Even though you are now on the other side of the boundary, seek to be understanding as your adult children do what they need to do. 
Second, recognize the need. Why do your adult children ever require space between you? You've been good parents. You haven't done anything wrong towards your children or grandchildren, and you just want a close, happy family. Even if that assessment is accurate, can you see any other reason your children would need a boundary? Remember, there are positive reasons to construct boundaries, not just negative. Part of empathizing with your adult children is admitting there is actual need. But part of that recognition is also seeing your part in the problem. Being realistic about yourself and the state of the relationship will help your response. And then third, respond well. If your adult children don't use the Jacob method, but instead attempt to talk to you about the issues leading to a boundary, you need to prepare a godly response. First, you need to thank your adult children for coming to you and being honest about the situation. It takes great courage for your child to confront you truthfully and lovingly. Then you need to listen well before you respond, giving them the freedom to share completely and clearly. Now comes the tough part. What if your adult children make false accusations? It'll be tempting to just become defensive. Yet you do need to lovingly give a true defense. Take the lead in setting a tone of understanding and wisdom seeking as you respond and discuss. And then fourth, accept the terms of the boundary. This principle again presumes that your adult children have been honest with you about the particular boundary. When done in a Christ-honoring way, creating a boundary is similar to establishing a covenant. But of course, a covenant is an agreement between two or more people. So you will have to accept the terms that your adult child puts before you. We just think it would be better if we started visiting other churches. We need some space so we won't be coming to lunch every Sunday. We just don't want to talk about our theological differences anymore. Now, as a parent, it may sound too passive to simply accept whatever boundary terms your adult child doles out. What if they are too extreme? While there may be some room for a negotiation, the main goal is to treat your adult children as adults. Agreeing to their terms is an act of love and respect, modeling for them how you want to be treated as well. Then fifth, pay attention. What if your adult children don't share their concerns with you and just go ahead and build a boundary? Unfortunately, one of the great temptations for them is to just make excuses, which are, of course, lies. We'd love for you to keep the grandkids, but we are just too busy for a date night. No, I'm not being quiet. I just don't feel well. We would love to come for the holiday, but the kids really want to stay home. You get the idea. The principle here is that you need to pay attention to your adult child's behavior as well as his or her words. So when the situation changes between you and your children, consider that it may be their way of creating space and boundaries. Don't just ignore it, waiting for them to come to you. That leads us to the next principle, the sixth one, confront lovingly. When you see a boundary without being honestly told what is going on, you'll need to start the conversation. This confrontation should be driven, first and foremost, by love for your children. If you speak out of hurt or feelings of rejection or outright anger, you probably know the potential outcome. 
Boundaries may become impenetrable barriers. Confronting in a loving manner will demonstrate that you really want to hear and understand. Hopefully, your children will respond well and be honest with you. If not, be patient as they make decisions about how to deal with whatever situation is troubling them. Demonstrate a willingness to keep the communication channel open. And then finally, look forward. As difficult as it may be to see a boundary built before your eyes, it doesn't have to be permanent and unmovable. If there are changes to be made on your end of the relationship, then that is within your control. If some time needs to pass in order to adjust to a new relationship with each other, then be patient and wait. Look forward to new possibilities in the future, trusting the Holy Spirit to soften hearts and minds. Remaining stuck in anger and resentment will put the wrong kind of space between you. Retaliating against your children with a boundary of your own will only bring further difficulties. This will be an opportunity for you to grow in your faith and grace for your children. In conclusion, the construction of boundaries always sends particular messages. Whether it's a security fence around your backyard, a wall that separates nations, or a locked door to a home. They communicate things like, keep out. You may only enter if invited, and this is my property. As hard as those things are to hear from your adult children, see beyond them to their true heart intentions. Respect their need to establish their homes. Recognize the challenges that come from being in your family. Realize your part in forcing the need for a boundary. Hopefully, your children aren't fleeing from you in the dark of night never to return. Yet if they create a boundary poorly and disrespectfully, wait for them to return to you in the future. Like Laban's covenant with Jacob, agree to do no harm, as God is your witness and sovereign over your relationship. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.